Welcome everybody to the COVID Combos, where we have real conversations with real people about what well-being looks like in a pandemic. And today we're missing one of our crew, Justin. He's feeling a little bit uh, tired and sick. I guess the lockdown's starting to get to him, but I still got Simon with me. Simon, you want to say hi? Hey, how are you, Kesh? Hey, everybody. Hey, man. Good to see you again. Um, and today we've got a special guest with us, Cass Fong, who also lives in Melbourne with us. Um, has very kindly agreed to come on our show and have a chat. Uh, Cass, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? Um, what do the viewers need to know about you? Uh, I live, my name's Cass, I live in Abbotsford in Melbourne. Oh, and hello everybody. Um, <laughs> my partner Shelton and my puppy dog Cuba and cat Misty. Um, I have my own consulting business which uh, focuses on systems thinking and systems leadership and culture and I am also part of a community practice with Kesh um, called Systems Informed Positive Psychology so I'm an honorary fellow at Melbourne University. Yeah so Cass and I have known each other for a couple of years now um, and Cass has an amazing experience in a number of different places. Uh, but one of the things that always strikes me about Cass is how awesome she is in her community. And, you know, some of the stuff that's been happening in Abbotsford lately. Tell, tell us about um, you, Cass. What's your, your day today looking like now with everything that's going on with COVID? What, what's been your experience? <laughs> well, um, well, first, initially, because my, a lot of my work involves people gathering in the same room together, yeah. um, everything got pulled off the table basically, so postponed indefinitely, um, which freed up a lot of time and space for me just to really what I do, the work that I see is a systems practice. Um, and so recognizing that our resilience comes with having strong community connections. And so Shelton and my partner had started doing some work in our community um, you know, last year really to like help the community grow and connect um and yeah as soon as we as soon as stuff started to come out about the impact of the pandemic here we jumped into immediately um doing letter drops for people just giving out our contact details really i was primarily initially like concerned about um people who were going who were forced to go into self-isolation and this was before there was all of the different restrictions that we all have now. Um, and the idea of someone being isolated and afraid, and it was when we were getting a lot of the media coverage on people panic buying, I really wanted to reach out to people to make sure that they didn't feel alone. So we did a letter drop um, saying we can do groceries or other errands or um, just speak to people on the phone. So that was one of our first things that we started doing and people have started to contact us just sometimes even just to, to chat so they don't feel so isolated, which is wonderful. And then through that, we've also then kind of created this WhatsApp group, which is all of our complex. It's like 42, 44 sort of townhouses where we live. 
So now everybody's helping other people who are in isolation because of travel or different reasons in the complex. Um, we've got a, a wider WhatsApp group for delivering um, groceries to people. So as soon as they ring up our local IGA, um, we just, the IGA sends through a message to this WhatsApp group of all these volunteers and people run out and, and deliver things. Um, we've got some friends in isolation. So going up and walking dogs and delivering coffees to people. And because we're Melbourneian, so you have to get a good coffee every day. <laughs> uh, there, are, there are some things that even the, the, the COVID crisis cannot stop. And that's called caffeine addiction. <laughs> yeah, at this point in time, yes. Um, so, and also we've been doing some things with lentils as anything. Um, and so my partner Sheldon was on his electric scooter today delivering meals to people through um, Lentils as Anything. Um, and Lentils have, st have started a Together as Anything um, campaign. And they're really quite um, challenged at the moment because as a business, it's a pay-as-you-feel business. So when you go in there, people are donating a little bit more than the cost of their food to be able to feed more vulnerable people. But what's happened, obviously, their restaurants, their four restaurants have had to close and now they're just doing deliveries. But the amount of people that are ordering and turning up for the deliveries or the takeaway food are people who are really in much more vulnerable. Mm. So, um, people who have lost, lost their jobs, for example. And so they actually need more donations and people ordering through them who can pay that little bit extra. Mm they're servicing a huge amount of people in the community and for free. So one of the things that they have done is um, create an online offering. So you can actually order online and you can do it as pay as you feel. Um, so that's for people who can't pay very much, but also those that can pay a little bit more. Um, yes, yeah, so please, yeah, if there's anyone who needs some food, try to go through um, lentilsasanything.com. Um, and the other thing they're doing is vacuum-packed meals for um, people who, you know, need to keep the meal for, I think it's up for a few months, but the idea that corporates can go and buy vouchers for their people who are stuck at home, and for every meal they buy, one goes to someone who's vulnerable who can't pay. So we're also trying to help out with that and yes so, and then the final thing that i'm doing is hosting flow games online which yes so can i ask me what a flow game is i saw simon wanted to jump in just before that because I, I feel like you know we can dig into one and then we can get into the other because each yeah, one is um, action-packed no, no, go for it. I, I, <laughs> I've got about six questions, but uh, yeah, the first one would be, what, what's a flow game, Cass? <laughs> uh, a flow game is usually something that you can play in a room with another, you know, five or six people. Um, but I have since just recently found out that it is, it works beautifully as a virtual game, which has been quite surprising and um, happily surprising, actually. So a flow game is a place you play the game to get clarity on the question that really matters to you. Um, it's a game that's been developed to support you in your personal and professional leadership. Um, 
And it's a really beautiful place to connect with others, to stop, to slow down, to reflect, to tap into collective wisdom. And I really feel like at the moment, there are so many people who are running around and just trying to get better at their productivity in this yeah. new context. And, and almost waiting for when this is going to be over. But I don't personally believe this is actually going to be over. I feel like this is, um, the, this is, this is going to change us forever in some way. And there's a real opportunity in that change as well. So an opportunity for us to, um, like now, for us to start to grieve and let go of the things and the patterns and the, the ways that we were have been behaving and living our normal lives that, that potentially haven't been serving us and haven't served a lot of people in our community or in our wider global communities or our planet. And so I'm feeling really called to be able to offer these flow games for people as a space to just slow down, to stop, to reflect, to let go, to grieve, to start to then, and to accept where we are at and start to create a, a yeah, visioning of where we can be and what, how do we need to turn up now as, as you know, to lead ourselves and others. Um, just a big, space for a huge deep breath <laughs> yeah i'm hearing that and i think that's come up with other guests as well that it's hopefully people seeing it as an opportunity to, to have that pause and that time for reflection i think which is great um are you it sounds like you're connecting with lots of people cass in those various things you're doing um getting around the community are you getting a, a similar feeling from those people about you know this is a new sort of uh chapter or beginning and we aren't going to return to the old ways and um you know people looking forward even for you know um or looking towards a new way of doing things or a new way of being or or is that um yeah not so much <laughs> um from yeah from the people i'm speaking to i think there's a recognition that yes this is this is an opportunity to, to stop a bit, um, that it isn't going to go back to normal. I think there's maybe a, I don't know, a part of <laughs> us that still believes it will, like, but I don't think that we're at the reimagining bit yet. I think there's a lot of really a need to, to grieve, and that hasn't happened yet. So to be able to shift any system and, you know, this is, there is an opportunity here for a paradigm shift. There's a lot of letting go that has to happen before to even create space for us to reimagine what mm -hmm. could be. And I think it's only just occurring to people now. Yeah, I think so. And it's, I think I still sense that bit of a tendency, like what you said before, people still wanting to, hold on to the old way of being or working or whatever, just that we're in a new context or a new environment. We're at home, but I still need to keep, you know, um, pushing things out and emails and whatever it might be. Um, but yeah, I think it's sort of slowly shifting around to that, taking a pause and allowing that grief to come in. So yeah, it'd be interesting to see how that pans out. 
on the flip side of that, I'm, I gotta say it because you know we just had that experience. We had Martin on, you know, a couple of days ago, um, and he was mm. presenting that other perspective that that I do think is quite prevalent at the moment of people just going, "Well, this is what it is right now. We've got to make the most of it, and eventually we're going to get back to normal." And I think mm-hmm. you know. I'm, I'm with Cass. I think there's a huge opportunity here to be able to take if we're aware of it. But I, I do worry that a lot of us aren't seeing that opportunity, let alone knowing how to take it. So, you know, I, I really hope you can do enough flow games, Cass. <laughs> <laughs> well, there are 200 hosts, flow game hosts globally. Um, so it's a. Um, yeah, so I think a lot of people are going to start to post some more flow games virtually, and maybe we, you know, it's also an opportunity for some new ways of hosting to emerge. Yeah, and how we, because at the moment it's normally, yeah, only five to four to six people basically playing a game. Yeah, let's see what happens in this space. Mm-hmm. Cass, I was going to. One of those six questions that came to mind when you were first talking that I didn't get round to. I was going to go back to one of those. Um, probably, I think for you and Kesh, you, you know, you're well across um, the system stuff. Um, I've talked to Kesh a little bit about it and have sort of a little bit of an understanding. Um, but it might be worthwhile, well, both of you even, um, I'd be interested, if no one else, in a little discussion about what you mean by systems and and why it's important or what your take on on it is at the moment in this sort of in times of crisis or big change like this mm-hmm. our favorite question do you want to go first <laughs> it's a very big question <laughs> um so when i say systems i'm talking about um complex adaptive living systems and human systems that are very much interconnected. Um, and and so when so so systems thinking is kind of like a, a it's a it's a mindset shift. It's a different way of seeing the world. It's seeing the interconnections, it's seeing the relationships between different parts in the system. Um, and so for many of us we have been taught in our education systems to look at things, look at the individual parts and try to optimize the individual parts of the system to create a healthy system. However, from a systems perspective, we recognize that the health comes through the quality of the relationships between the different parts of the system. And so I guess in, and and that we're all part of co-creating our systems that we're part of and often what we do is we externalize the system or the problems that it's someone else's fault but because they're so complex and interconnected you can we are all actually co-creating them in every single moment and so the opportunity for me that i see with this um, global crisis is that we're raising the consciousness for people around how interconnected we are. And when we start to see that, we can start to behave quite differently and own our own role in the system. It's like the feedback loops of our interconnection have sped up so quickly, you can just see it through the growth of the the coronavirus. 
Mm. Whereas these connections are always there. But often our, the impact, it takes so there's huge time delays. So there's a huge opportunity now that we can actually see that we are part of our, we are as only, we're as vulnerable as our weakest link. So if you think about what's happening with coronavirus, um, if, if we have health systems in certain countries, like so one stat I heard was in Chad, there's only three doctors per 100,000 population. Now, if coronavirus had initially broken out there, it would have been very difficult to control. But now as this is a global virus, you can start to see that actually maybe we as global citizens should be investing in safety nets globally and not just trying to externalize and say we're all we're okay over here because we are completely interconnected so that's yeah i don't know if that's helpful yeah great cash i'm sure you've got something to add to that uh, I, I i don't want to say anything for you know fear of just like talking you know for the next hour or more but yeah. exactly, i agree exactly with what uh Cass has brought up there and if there is a um a simplicity to the, the complexity that comes with talking about systems it is exactly that is how do you see the world do you mm. see the world in silos in disciplines in parts that can be taken apart put back together you know are you in your role just one you know piece is your business one piece or are you actually at all times thinking of yourself as completely interconnected and interdependent with everything else that's going on Mm. And that is, I agree with you, Cass, the massive opportunity with COVID-19 is we can't ignore our interdependency anymore, you know? Mm. So this one thing has just brought up everything. So we know that isolation on one part is helping galvanize communities and families. We know on other sides, it is increasing domestic violence. We know that people being off the streets and cars being off the streets means pollution is going down. You know, places like New York and China that have terrible air quality for the first time in, you know, years um, have clear skies. Um, mm -hmm. And we also know that it was because of the interdependency that this virus was able to spread in the way that it does, right? Um, because of clearing forests and the way that we interact with wildlife and the, you know, the laws that have been made by certain countries allowed this virus to happen and uh, I guess privileges of the rich and wealthy to move and travel from place to place has allowed it to spread so mm -hmm. there's one thing that you can't escape anymore right which is that we're global citizens and as global citizens we need to think in interdependency um, and if we don't do that then crises like mm -hmm. uh, COVID are not only going to become more frequent but they're going to become more brutal and um they're going to hit us harder mm. um so we can learn the lesson <laughs> and hopefully we do mm. um or we're doomed to repeat the past yeah and, and it would seem to me that systems are constantly evolving and changing quite dynamic um and therefore getting back to sort of what we were talking about before with such a big uh impact like the covid crisis to the world system um it's going to give it a fair nudge off into another direction so you know it's it's not really realistic to think that we can go back to the old system that we had 
two, three months ago. Um, whether or not we had the COVID crisis, but especially now you have this big uh, bump to the side, which sends you off in a new well, direction. You know, one of the things, and Cass, you know, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this about systems is, you know, it's really hard to change systems. Like, you know, the underlying pieces that put it together um, are very hard to remove once they're there, right? So a lot of our system has been created by capitalism, and I don't know if those pieces can be removed by this. In a lot of ways, coronavirus is allowing people with wealth to galvanize even more, and it's creating a lot of problems for small independent businesses that were distributing that wealth. So, yeah, in a way, there's parts of the system that are actually um, becoming worse because of COVID mm. and stronger. Mm. Yeah. Um... I, yeah, yeah, I see that as well, Cash. But I'm also very hopeful that, you know, the way that we can shift systems is by shifting our, yeah, our mindset um, and questioning some of the assumptions that we've held. Yes, yeah, so there's a whole lot of, I think, faulty assumptions that we've all held that have been becoming a lot more obvious for people. And so as we start to examine those, and if we can let go of those assumptions and create a different set of you know, beliefs, even around being interconnected, <laughs> we can actually have a huge impact on shifting the system. But if we do not let go of these, that's why I was talking before around letting go and grieving is such an important Mm. Um, thing to be doing right now if we do want to move out of just surviving to thriving yeah and i just want to you know acknowledge in this moment i'm so grateful to have you on Cass, because you've given us a perfect example of what systems thinking in action can look like at a time like this um, you together with your community and mentors if anything have created your own circular economy that is outside of the economy that is working at the moment because that economy can't serve you so you, you know using your understanding of systems and the interdependencies you were able to come up with a solution that let go of those and was able to provide something that the community needed so you know it's a perfect example of how to do that it's not like something cerebral off in the atmosphere that only academics talk about um, it's got real world applications and you'll prove that <laughs> Maybe, like again, circling back to the comment before, maybe if nothing else, if no other change comes out of this, it's, it's, it is um, the awareness of, of systems and how we are all interconnected and global citizens and, and so on and so forth. So at a minimum, hopefully, that's something that comes out of it, which then could lead to further change. Yeah. It's a, it's a minimum, but that's a huge minimum, you know? <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it would be, I think our organisations would look really different, our communities would look completely different, politics would look completely different, educational systems, the whole lot. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we're already seeing a lot more of a pull for things like a universal basic income. Mm -hmm. um, and people are starting to see how that could be of value. Mm -hmm. um, and that 
also means people letting go of some of these false assumptions around human beings, you know, and embracing the fact that, you know, human beings are also really creative and, you know, and have got so much to offer. And it doesn't just mean that people go on social security so they can sit back and do nothing. Because I don't think that's the case at all. And I just imagine a world where we had something like that and all of this dormant human potential could be tapped into and people moving from, you know, survival and Maslow's hierarchy of needs to actually be able to contribute more to their communities and to each other and to this planet. So, yeah, because they're not worried about just feeding themselves, mm. which, you know, in a world as wealthy as ours should not be a problem. Mm -hmm. um, I'm really curious, Cass, and, you know, we're slowly running out of time, but um, I'd love to know more about what are some of the things that you think we need to grieve and let go of? Um, and if you don't want to answer that question, maybe that's, um, I would ask if there's anything else that, you know, we haven't talked about that you want to, um, you want to discuss at this point in time. You know, I, oh, thanks Cash. I think, um, I'm only just starting the, that grieving process myself mm. and it's, um, and it comes <laughs> by surprise sometimes. So I think I, I too had jumped into just doing, yeah. And it was community work and I really felt a calling to, you know, to build those connections. Um, and then I had a day where it just hit me and just little things like walking along and neighbors, you know, moving a few meters apart <laughs> from me, they're approaching me just, into tears yeah and I so some of those things around grieving at the moment around how you know in this context how we're interacting but there are so many things uh, I yeah um, and yeah as I said it just sort of hits me at certain points and I, I personally played a flow game and it became very clear to me that I needed also to create more space for my own grieving and to allow it to come and to be kind and also to recognize that a lot of us are picking up on collective grief so sometimes you don't even know what you're grieving yep. comes you and i think allow space for that to happen and not beat yourself up about it that's a beautiful advice and seems to be a common theme that's coming up in our conversations which i just think lends validity and reality to what we're all experiencing at the moment I, I definitely think i didn't well being from post you never really think of grief as a part of well-being right um, but mm. just more and more you're realizing how much it's a natural part of our lives and being able to go through that process in a way that's loving and kind to yourself and others is just so important for moving forward um, you can't create a future until you let go of the past right yeah yeah and i was just thinking so many of us have to also learn to grieve differently mm. as well by being physically we can't be physically together yeah and also with people losing loved ones at the moment whether it's to the virus or other things um we yeah we can't grieve in the same way with a limit of 10 people coming together mm. um, yeah. Yeah.
Yeah. It's going to be an interesting one to explore together, I think, as a community. Um, I know that's also all we have time for really today. Uh, so I just want to really thank Cass again for taking the time from her amazing work in her community and, you know, during everything that's happening with COVID to come and chat with us. It's been fantastic. I always love our chats. Um, Cass? Me too. <laughs> um, I'm going to ask everybody, first off, I'm going to share everything that Cass has talked about today. So if you do need food, please go to Together as Anything, um, support your local community and help people that need it right now. We have been talking about this thing around what does a positive economy looks like and that's an example right there. So if you can get around it, ask you to share this, like it, subscribe it if you found it useful. I know that I did, so I will. Um, and finally, I just want to sign off by saying be kind to yourself, let yourself grieve, and we're going to get through this together. So you stay healthy, world. <laughs>